good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. It's a beautiful snowy. I've been praying for precipitation, in case you guys didn't know. So I'm the one. I'm the one who brought you this beautiful. No, I. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> All right. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Come on.
Amen. God is good. Give him a hand. If the ushers would close the doors, we're going to enter in and say, As we worship you, let all the world come and see how the mercy we've received from you can set them free. As we worship you, let all this joy that fills us bring a hunger and a hope to those who straight so far. As we bow in adoration and stand in reverent awe, show your majesty and glory that you're Song of Jesus and His blood. 
That's the name of an old album, but you're too young to know about that. Joni Mitchell, Court Inspired. Good morning, Rimrock. We are so glad that you're here this morning on this amazing, uh, beautiful day. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, there's a card in the back of the seat in front of you, and we'd love for you to fill that out and bring that back to the Welcome Center. We have a small gift for you. If you're not visiting, we still welcome you, and we're super glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Court Herman. I'm one of the um, members of the World Mission Team here at Rimrock, and I just have a few announcements in regards to that. Um, number one, you may have seen Amy DeLang back at the table uh, in the foyer there. She is collecting or asking for cards for the church in Lebanon that we are supporting. Um, the Weebs are, are the uh, missionaries over there. They're undergoing some difficult times there, and so we're just wanting to send them Christmas cards as a reminder uh, that we love them and that they are not forgotten. And also, if you would like to make a, a financial gift as well, that would be uh, strongly encouraged too. Um, Secondly, they're collecting gloves for the ISI students. A lot of those students don't uh, necessarily come as prepared with winter weather gear. And days like today, they might appreciate a set of gloves. So you can uh, buy gloves and bring those or just bring some um, lightly used gloves to the back. There's a, a collection box for those as well. And then finally, we just had our um, fall fill up and I wanted to share the totals uh, from that and from your generosity. Uh, this year at fall fill up, we were able to raise uh, $47,051. So yeah, truly amazing. Uh, we thank you so much for your generosity. And that was going to be um, kind of divided between some of the, uh, the missions that we support. So thank you for that. It was just an awesome time. The food was amazing. Uh, even I got to be a little adventurous. I'm more of a meat and potato guy. So it was kind of exciting to try some of the uh, Indian cuisine. Um, so yeah, it was good. So with that, let's pray and uh, get ready to enter back into worship. Heavenly Father, we just come before you just so grateful. Uh, so grateful for what we have in you and just the knowledge uh, of your salvation, uh, of our salvation in you through your son, Jesus, God. We are just constantly reminded of that through uh, just uh, generous giving from, from 
church bodies and just from just awesome things that we can see uh, through your hands, Lord. As we enter into worship, God, we just pray that you would clear our hearts, sorry, clear our minds and open our hearts to what you would have us uh, uh, understand and learn about you this morning and just allow us to uh, enter into worship with you. Amen. 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 This morning as I opened up my Bible, came to Psalm 95 and let me read it to you. It's not long. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let's shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for it is he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Amen. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all? We do. Sing with us. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. And it's the glory of the Lord to be the light within our Is anyone worthy? 
you are worthy, God. We just thank you for what a good God you are, how you have taken such amazing care of us, Lord, through all the ups and downs of this life. And as Evan comes up this morning, God, you've been whispering in his ear what you want to say to us. God, we want to hear that. Open the eyes of our hearts right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not quite at that point yet. It's coming. <laughs> Man, look at all these hardy South Dakotans. Man, Michael, I told you they would come, right? He was saying that we're going to have a small group instead of a sermon because it's snowing. I told him, man, this isn't Southern California. It's the South Dakota in December. You guys, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Evan. I am the pastor of our downtown campus. Every once in a while, Ben and I will trade pulpits. The major reason we do this is because I love you guys, and I don't get to see you nearly enough. This is a church in which I was raised and supported and grew up in. There's just so many good people here uh, that I want to give hugs to. Right? The other reason, more logistically, is we want to remind you that we are one church, two campus. Right? We are more than just those who gather here. Right? There's a whole other community that gathers downtown, and God is working within all of us. You know, enough with the friendly chat. If you want to come up and give me a hug afterwards, please do. If you want to find out more about our two-campus model, come and talk to me, right? But right now, we are here to study God's Word together. I hope you guys are ready. Right? I got to pray first. God, this is your Word, not mine. These are your people, not mine. So I give you total freedom to speak through me, to work within me, however you desire. Satan, we boldly stand against you right now in the name of Jesus. Be gone from this place. God, give us something that will make our lives better. That's why we're here. Amen. All right, so if you've got a Bible, if you've got a phone with a Bible app on it, Philippians is a book that we've been walking through now for the last two months or so in a series that we've entitled Follow Me. Is that right, Levi? Thank you. The book of Philippians. We're getting close to the end. Uh, this week we have three verses. That's it. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So follow along with me if you got it. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge you, Eudea and Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So it looks like I drew the short straw with the teaching team this week, huh? <laughs> three verses. Only three sentences in which Paul addresses some drama that is going on within a church. All right, ben had the choice of when we would switch, and he chose this week, not really sure why, right? Last week, we looked at profound statements like, I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own, right? And next week, we'll look at things like, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But today, Eudea and Syntyche stop fighting. I Google Syntyche, how to pronounce that. I said it like 12 times yesterday, about 30 times this morning. Syntyche. To be honest, though, these thoughts came to my mind when I first read this week's passage. But 
to no surprise, once I put the time into it, thinking and praying and seeking God's guidance, God showed me that there are deeper and very applicable truths that lie within these short and seemingly simple verses, ones that directly relate to us right here, right now, Rimrock in 2021. This morning, we're going to be covering three different points, what the church really is, what we were created to do, and how we do this. So when you hear the word church in the midst of your everyday life, what does this mean to you? Most likely a building or a service, right? Are you going to go to church this week? Or this morning we're going to meet down at church. Right? This is true for 99% of everyone in America. In looking at the Merriam-Webster's definition, church is defined in three different ways. A building used for Christian religious services and a religious service held in a church. Definitions show us a common interpretation of a word for a culture. That means that for the 21st century Americans, church is a physical structure or a one hour a week service in which we gather. We categorize church into a very simple and controllable position into our lives, such as I'll give a little extra money this week to the church's new building fund, or I'll set aside Sunday morning so that way I can go to church with my family. But often we forget, or we're never told, that there is one more definition of church. A particular Christian group, such as he's a member of an Episcopal church. Now it's easy to see this, to view this definition in the same way we do the other two. I go to an E-free church. But if we're willing to take a little deeper, a little time to think deeper on this one, it can push us into the direction of the original definition of church one that was used by the first century followers of Jesus. I'll warn you, though, this one can be far more invasive or impactful on your life than the other two, depending on how you see it. Now, when Webster says a particular Christian group, he is implying that there's a number of people that come together for a particular purpose. In this definition, a church is a community of people that exist and is held together by unifying principles. And if you walk away with nothing else, please hang on to that one. This definition is very similar to the, Christians, to the ways that the Christians in the first century would have defined church. In the Greek, church is ekklesia, which means an assembly. The several times that New Testament authors used the word church, they were referring to a community of followers of Jesus. It had nothing to do with a building or a weekly gathering. The church to them was the people. The church of Philippi that Paul wrote this letter to, it's a collection of believers who lived in the same town, who gathered together regularly, and who joined together to do what they felt like Jesus called them to do. That means that we are the church. You and I. The people sitting around you. The biblical definition of church is not this beautiful building or this one hour a week that we spend in it. It is us. Rimrock Church is the followers of Jesus that have decided to make this community a regular part of their lives. Now, this may seem like a simple shift in thought, but like I mentioned earlier, this correct definition of church can have far more impact on your life than the common definitions. Let me explain why. Have you noticed the number of times that Paul and the other New Testament authors use the words brothers and sisters to refer to people of the church like he did in verse 1? Therefore, my brothers and sisters. 
And it's so easy to skim over these words, but take a moment to consider the connotations of a brother or a sister. Your brother or sister is a part of your, your family. The term here shows a deeper connection that exists, one that goes far beyond living in the same town or attending the same church. It implies that we are connected at a foundational level. Paul helps us see this foundation a little bit better in Ephesians 4, verses 3 and on. Making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. You notice the number of times he said one? Right? This notion of connection. Now, when a person cries out to Jesus, they are made new at a soul level. They are then filled with the Spirit of the Most High. This Spirit is sent from God through the redeeming act of Jesus. This means that every single one of us that are in here that know that Jesus is the Son of God, we have all been unified at the deepest level possible. The people around you are filled with the same life-giving, life-changing, and life-directing God that you have within you. The same God that stepped into your world to bring you hope, guidance, healing, and restoration, he's done the same thing for your brothers and sisters in this community. Because of all this, because of our similar yet very unique personal experiences with the maker of everything, the people of Rimrock hold to the same faith in the God of the Bible. We all gather here today to openly proclaim our love and devotion to the same God. Even though we live in a world midst in, we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's what Paul says back in chapter 2. What could, give us, what could be seen as an even greater connection we all have the same destiny. Like Paul said at the end of verse three, people of Rimrock have their names written in the book of life, which means that we will be spending eternity together in God's presence. Even though our time here on earth is fleeting, we will have forever to reconnect, to get to know each other, and to do things together. Man, I hope you're beginning to understand what I'm presenting. People that are a part of this community have connecting points that are deeper, or that are as deep or even deeper than biological family. Now, as a teacher, it's probably time for an analogy, is what I'm thinking. All right, I'll give you one, and then I'll give you a couple from biblical authors. There's no way that theirs are better than mine, right? So we could say that the church is like a forest, a collection of trees standing side by side, providing protection, shade, and life to those around us, which is true. But a more proper analogy would be a grove of aspens. Any idea why I choose aspens specifically? They are close together. They are one tree, right? It's because aspens that are growing side by side are all stemming from the same root system. The scientists put it this way. A stand or a group of aspen trees is considered a single organism. How cool is that? With the main life force underground in the extensive root system. And the same is true for us. At the deepest level possible, we are connected, receiving life and direction from the same source. What makes this connection even deeper is that this community, Rimrock, is being built by God. 
In the passage that we read in Ephesians, Paul says, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. A few verses later, he gives another analogy, one that shows God's hand in creating this community. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and, connect, and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Go ahead and show that other picture, if you would, Levi. Just in case you're more visual. See those gears? Everything working together. Right? If, these, if mine and this one didn't do it for you, Peter uses a different word picture. 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, that's you, that's me, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Go ahead and show him that next picture too. Hope you're starting to understand what the Bible is presenting we are. Not only do we have a unifying belief system in the same endpoints, right? even more so, we have the power of God knitting us together. The one who caused the sun to rise this morning and the snow to fall, he is also bringing people into Rimrock in order to build us into what he wants us to be. And this is far different and far better than the traditional definition of church, isn't it? We are a family being brought together for specific reasons. That leads to our second point. Why is God bringing us together? Let's look back at our passage in Philippians to get some ideas of why the church exists. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge you, Eudea, and I urge you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of the, my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now in this, I see two purposes of the church described. The first one comes at the end of verse 3. What had these women, Eudea and Syntyche, along with many other people of this community in Philippi, what had they done with Paul? The work of the gospel. Now, in the Roman Empire, the word gospel meant good news. In this context, Paul is referring, referring to the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to our world to offer life to everyone in the fullest. We see him say this in Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, this may be an obvious answer to you. What is the purpose of church? I really hope it is. We, the people of God, are being brought together for the work of the gospel. A major reason why we exist is to let people around us know the reality and the power of Jesus. This can and should be done individually, right? With you talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's your neighbor, your coworker, or your friend. But it's also important to remember the simple logic that there is such power in numbers. When we enter into our God-given purpose together, we have the ability to be used by God to do things far beyond our abilities and our resources. I can give you two examples from us. Right? Court just pointed out one. 
$47,000 we were able to raise in a single evening that's going to be divided and given out to families that have dedicated their life to sharing the gospel. $47,000. Imagine how they feel getting a check for 20-some, for 10, for 5. Right? Another example, earlier this summer, we raised $30,000 down here that was matched by another thirty to be given to uh, pastors in India so they could buy mopeds, which allowed them to travel into the mountains to share the gospel. Because we came together as a community and focused our resources in on a specific goal, we were able to do far more than most of us could have done on our own. But it's really important to know that the, that the power of our collective effort is not only what we can do with our money. Even more so, it's what we can do with our talents and our gifts. Our gatherings are a prime example of this. Whether it's the larger ones like this on a Sunday morning or the smaller, more intimate settings of classes and small groups, by operating together as a body, we each are able to use our God-given strengths in the work of the gospel. Whether you sing, or teach, whether you can be hospitable and help organize a schedule, right? whether you're able to keep kids from crying, right? Boomer would probably say make kids happy, right? whether you're able to create beautiful graphics, help set up tables, direct finances, cast visions, or serve donuts, right? together we are able to create more and more opportunities for people, right? people outside of this community to hear about and even better, firsthand experience the love of Jesus. The church is created for the work of the gospel. Like I mentioned earlier, I see one other purpose, though, of the church shown in the Philippian passage. To support and encourage one another within our community. It's important to remember that the Philippian letter is Paul writing to real people that live life together. When people do this, when they gather together on a regular basis and get to know one another, they have the ability to support and encourage one another in ways that can help transcend or help us push through whatever life throws at us. I hope you're hearing this. The church does not only exist to evangelize. We are also here to come alongside each other. This is why we need to see each other as a family. We are not business partners that are aiming to be the most efficient at the purpose that's in front of us. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family that exists not only to glorify Jesus outside these walls, but to also care for one another within this community. Man, I wish I could spend some time elaborating on this, sharing stories of my own life, right, that I have been encouraged by this community to step more fully into my strengths and the ways that you guys have supported me through really, really hard circumstances. But this passage in Philippians, unfortunately, goes down a different, not quite a smooth path. It looks at the ways that we should handle conflict within our community. Let's look at it one more time, verses two and three. I urge you, Eudea, and I urge you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Now, we don't know exactly who these two women were, Eudea or Syntyche. Go ahead and keep that up, if you would. Right? But, they were, but because they were mentioned by name in this letter, they were most likely prominent individuals in this community. 
If we read about Paul's journey through Philippi in Acts 16, the founding members of this church were women. Eudea and Syntyche, they may have been some of these. But regardless of who they are within this church, I think it's quite obvious that they must not be getting along, that there must be some form of division between them. I'm curious, how do you react to this? This idea of conflict within the body of Christ. Is this hard for you to imagine? Two individuals within the church, potentially even leaders, not seeing eye to eye. And if you're having trouble picturing this, I'm quite envious of you. You live in a very special place. For the rest of us, disagreement and conflict with others is as common as COVID in 2020. Because the church is filled with people, our imperfect, our imperfect tendencies find their ways into our relationships within this community as well. But just because it's common doesn't mean it's healthy. Conflict within a community of followers of Jesus can quickly destroy any effort we make towards doing what God has brought us together to do. Right? There are so, so many examples in our day that I've seen in headlines. Massive churches splitting or even crumbling because of disagreements within leadership. Fortunately, or better put, by the grace of God, Rimrock hasn't ever gone through this. Right? But on a smaller scale, tensions within our relationships still exist, don't they? It's fun to bring in a, a guest pastor to point that one out. Right? Think about it. In reality, tensions within the relationships within this community still from time to time do exist. Whether it's over bigger things like different interpretations on a verse or different opinions on how the church should spend its money or smaller things like conflicting views on the type of coffee we serve, right? Or the style of font we use in the bulletin or the correct arrangement of chairs in the classroom, right? They are funny, but it's true, right? I've gotten into arguments with people about that over the years. Right? There are continual opportunities for disagreement and potential disunity within Rimrock. Conflict within our church also doesn't happen over non-church issues. This past year and a half has shown this. Disagreements over politics and how COVID is handled are very real. There have been such fine lines drawn in the sand in this community and have created serious divides. I've seen it downtown. I've heard about it up here. When this happens, our community is negatively affected. Think about Paul's analogy of the body. What happens when a certain part of your body gets injured? The entire body is affected, right? Even if it's simply stubbing your toe, every other part of the body feels its ramifications. The same is true for our church. Disunity between members causes the entire church to not operate as good as God desires it to. This is why Paul is directly addressing this conflict within the Philippian church. So that relationships can be restored, so that the community can continue to work the work of the gospel and continue supporting and encouraging one another. Now I see two sides of the same coin shown here. The first is to remain in harmony with each other. The second, to help other people remain in harmony with one another. If you're taking notes, I put it up there for that reason. Right? Remain in harmony with each other. Help other people remain in harmony with one another. Now, it's important to take time to recognize this. 
In the battle against disunity within our community, there are two different ways that we must be fighting. The first is the people in the midst of the conflict. When you are in when you are having a disagreement with another son or daughter of the Most High that is part of this community, much of the responsibility lies on your shoulders to work it out. Paul first writes to these women who are having the disagreement. Do you notice that? He tells them that they must seek unity. For me, this is common sense. If you are having the problem, take care of it. But unfortunately, in so many different situations, emotions tend to be far more of a driving force than logic, don't they? When you are angry or disappointed or frustrated or whatever, often the last thing that you want to do is seek reconciliation. But regardless of how you feel, this truth still remains. If you are having problems with one another in this church, see it as your responsibility to deal with it. But Paul doesn't stop with these two ladies. Right, telling them that they must figure it out. He also asks the rest of the people of their community to come alongside them, to help them regain unity. And this is crucial to see. When a person is left alone to figure out their problems, it can so often go from bad to worse. But when they are surrounded by others that are there to listen as well as challenge, then the odds are so much better that things will turn out for good. If you are a part of a community of fellow believers and you see conflict happening amongst others, according to Paul, it is also your responsibility to come alongside those who are struggling and help them. Remember why we do this, right? We had looked at it earlier on. Whether you're making your own amends or helping others, one of the main reasons you are doing this is so that the church, this collection of brothers and sisters, can continue to do what God has created and called us to do. That means you are being patient, forgiving, and selfless for something that is far bigger than your own life. You are doing it for the sake of the kingdom. See, see why I warned you at the beginning, right, of the definitions of church, the way that this can have far more of an impact on your day-to-day -day life? Now the important question of how. How do we do this? How do we turn this idealism into reality for our community. One word. I guarantee most of you could say it. Jesus. The unity of our community is solely contingent upon Jesus. You know, I'm running out of time, so I have to make this quick. In verse 2, Paul urges Eudea and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Earlier in his letter, he'd use the exact same phrase back in chapter 2. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, WWJD, you guys old enough to know what that means? Right? What would Jesus do? Has so many different forms of application, like relying on God for strength and guidance, like trusting in God over anything else, like humbling oneself to the point of self-sacrifice. Right? If you would give me another 15 minutes to talk through these three verses, I'd be happy to elaborate on this. Right? But because your brain and mine have enough to process already at this point, I'm going to leave you with one way to apply this to your life. If you want to find motivation, even passion, to pursue unity in the midst of a divisive culture, see fellow followers of Jesus through the lens of redemption. 
in the same way that you have been fully redeemed of your mistakes, so have they. In the same way that you have been given the redemptive spirit of God, so have they. In the same way that you are being slowly transformed from one image to the other, so are they. In the same way that God is empowering you to bring his kingdom, he is doing the same in and through them. When you look at one another through this lens, it has the ability to elevate you above our selfish stupidity and to see one another through the proper perspective. A community built on Jesus and unified by him and him alone. Instead of just simply leaving this in your hands to most likely forget and maybe apply in some way, shape, or form later this week, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it right now through communion. If you guys wouldn't mind coming up and starting to serve, communion and community sound awfully similar, don't they?
fitting song. If you're taking communion, please stand with me. I want you to look around and see what we have here. A community unified by Jesus. A community full of Republicans and Democrats, those who've been vaccinated, those who have not. We are all unified by the blood and the body of Jesus. It's because of him that we are here, and it is because of him that we will continue to do the work he wants us to do. Let's sing that again. One, two, three. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. Everybody have a great week. Come join us on Wednesday night. Get ready for Christmas.